The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from our merciful Savior. I'd invite you to open up your bulletins to page 11, and we'll read the sermon text for today. If you're on Zoom with us, thanks for joining us. Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 25. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage of decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirits grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This is the word of the Lord. The whole creation is groaning. You can hear that, right? You can feel that, can't you? After the, um, the huge amounts of rainfall that the upper side of our state, upstate New York and Vermont, received, I have only seen on my timeline on social media, it's been flooded with the flooding and the devastation that has happened up north, where people can look out at their plots of land and houses and what they thought was going to be secure and stable forever, now they have to see their future where they have to start over. You and I have learned a whole new weather instrument and weather thing that we have to look at. We don't just have to look at the heat, humidity, and sun. Now we have to look at the air quality index and how we watched how the Manhattan skyline was once crystal clear. Then all of a sudden it turned into a blurry windshield. And then all of a sudden it's orange, it's red, it's gray. It looks apocalyptic. Creation's groaning. Out west, they're still trying to fight to find water. Hurricane season's going to be coming up soon. Every single Sunday, we pray for families and friends in Ecuador and in Latin America and even stateside about the different struggles and the different situations that they face here on earth. What's it all worth? Doesn't it all just seem so normal? Should it be? Wasn't this world perfect at one time? Why do we have this sense that we can just chalk up all these sufferings and all these situations that we face as just something you've got to buck up through through life until it starts to get to the big and the scary words? It's all something that you can persevere through and chalk up until it gets to the big words like cancer, until it gets to big words like depression, until it's an overwhelming sense of your worldview that nothing's going to get a whole lot better. Why does it seem that at some point someone decided to put sands into the gears of time 
And now as time and creation goes on, it seems like it's churning and churning, lurching forward. Sometimes it's smooth, but then it cracks right away. And then it, you're trying to go up the hill, but you're not able to. Why does it seem like creation just slowly is turning and turning, but it's lurching and crawling forward? And like it lost all its lube and oil to be going like it should. I don't feel like I have to justify the sufferings that you face in your life. As I've gotten to get to know you, each one of you has unique sufferings that you face in this life. I don't have to justify them to you. And for the Christian, we know that suffering is a fact of life. The Bible says so. No one sits out on the sidelines of this one. And as much as we want to be able to ignore it, suffering's a fact that we live through in this life. And it seems as though like once we, once we say that we're a Christian, once we know that we have the Spirit, once we know that we're chi- children of God, have been adopted into sonship, it seems like my life should be better knowing I'm redeemed. I'm justified. And one day I will have this eternal life. Then it all seems to start crashing down once you get a phone call from mom saying that the doctor's visit that she went to, the results weren't so good. It's all fun and it's all good until you hear a phone call from your son or daughter asking for a ride home from the police precinct because they made a decision that they're going to regret. It's all fun and games until our sufferings become something that was just momentary and fleeting and something we could get through until it becomes our reality. And it's always there. And it's lasting longer than just a fleeting moment, but it's lasting and impacting our entire worldview, then it sure feels like the condemnation is on us. This is all really start to hit on a head for me this week. I don't exactly know how to explain it. But a couple of weeks ago, I learned that one of my teammates, who I used to run cross-country and track at North Dakota State University, one of my teammates, a better Christian than I am, developed cancer. He's only a year older than I am. And then this past week, I learned that there was a teammate who I used to play football with. He passed away too. He's younger than me. And now I'm just left to look on Facebook or on social media at a picture of those people, just smiling, laughing. Only now I can only wonder what they knew. What do they think about themselves? What do they know? What did they know about future glory? Why did this have to happen to them? It's tempting then for me to be able to jump in with the chorus of the whole creation, the whole universe, each and every person on earth, each and every individual. We want to skip past the part where we're groaning and complaining, and we just want to skip to the part where we start shouting, shouting at God that, God, you did this to me. God, you did this to them. God, this is not just a game to me. This is not just a game of Texas Hold'em or poker where I can fold on the, on, the de- on, the, on the hand that I'm dealt and I can just pass and keep playing along. I have to deal with it right now and my present sufferings hurt, Lord. What I go through hurts. What I go through is painful. And God, I need an answer. If you're loving God and you're loving God, Why does it hurt to live on this earth? Do you remember what Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says? 
says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means that God doesn't have it out for you. That means that God doesn't have this anger, this retribution, or isn't looking to gain vengeance on sin towards you. And Paul says that our pain that we suffer and the sufferings that we have on earth, they all have a purpose. It's not the opposite of pain that has a purpose. The opposite would be meaningless pain. And meaningless pain is like this. When Stanley Yelnats went to Camp Green Lake in the book Holes by Lewis Sacker, he had to go out with his campers who really were inmates, and what they did is they went out into a field, and they would start digging holes. They would just have to dig holes six feet around, six feet deep, digging, 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 with no purpose in mind, just doing something for the sake of doing it. It was only later that eventually Stanley found out what was going on. The warden needed to find something. But for a while, all those campers and all those inmates knew that they were just digging, and they were digging, and they didn't know why. Meaningless pain is just like that, digging without a sense of a purpose, digging without a sense of anything going on. That's not what Paul says our sufferings are about. He says they have a purpose, and it's a better purpose than we can imagine. For believers, this purpose is everything. It's hope and the eternal glories and the future glory we have. For someone who doesn't and isn't in Christ, it does seem like those pains are meaningless, that they're just torturous, that we're just taking up earth and putting it into another area just because. Do you know what God's answer to pain and suffering is in this world? It's God himself. God's answer to pain and suffering is putting his son on the cross. It's putting his son who was full of love and full of mercy. Putting him on the cross to be left alone by his disciples and left only to be dying and suffering, gasping for air on the cross as his mother looked on. At her little boy being put to death on the cross to pay for all of the sins of the world. Just knew it had to happen. And he let it happen because he knew that his present sufferings were not worth comparing to the glory that would be revealed to him and who believe in him. Our tiny share of sufferings, our headaches, our feelings of inadequacy towards our spouses, towards our children, towards our teachers, towards our co-workers, our tiny share of feeling like we're lonely in the world without family and friends, our inch of the world's pain, our small cup of suffering to deal with. That's where God gets his best. I know what you mean. This hurts. But let me show you what I have to say about it. Our best Bible reading happens when things aren't going the best, right? Our best Bible ra- reading happens when we need an answer. Our best Bible reading happens when God, my friend, said that this is the last chance that she's going to give God. And I need to know what you need to have to say about that. Our best Bible reading happens when we need an answer. Like, God, I've been struggling month after month after month, and my bills are coming up at the end of the month, and I've been grinding 
and I've been putting in all this effort towards it, but it doesn't matter what I seem to do, it seems like I'm going to be short. God, I need an answer. God, I need an answer, and I need to know if I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I need to know if it's true that your rod and your staff, they can comfort me. I need to know, Lord, if I can lack absolutely everything, but have absolutely everything in you. God, I need an answer. I need to know, Lord, that when my cup of suffering is overflowing, that it's true that your cup of blessing is unrelenting and you've anointed my head with oil. That's when God shows us what his answer is. He gives us his son, the one who he loved. And God isn't so proud that he won't take us in when we're treating him like a last resort or a last shot in the dark. It's not how God treats his children. Instead, he gives us his son, whom he loved, to pay for our sin, to pay for the groans and the sufferings that happen here in creation. What we know well here on earth, what is super well known, is earthly pain. But what is unknown is heavenly glory. But those two can't even be compared to each other. They aren't even on the same scale. They wouldn't even balance on a ledger. Our hope is bigger. Our hope is based on something grander. Our hope is eager. It's eagerly expecting the future glory that is to come. It's eagerly expecting that though I am suffering now, Though what I go through now is painful, it hurts, that what I have coming for me is better. Our hope waits. Our hope is willing to suffer. It knows what's to come. It waits like a mother is expecting her baby. It waits like a mother is expecting to meet the gaze of her child for the very first time. Our hope waits. It waits patiently. Creation groans, but groans in anticipation for what's to come. This past week at science camp, one of our activities on Tuesday was we built these aluminum foil boats. Now, I don't know if you know anything about aluminum foil, but it is not very durable, it is not very strong, and it is not going to survive maybe more than 10 or 15 paper clips that when you put on it. But to these kids, this aluminum boat meant everything. And as they approached our coolers full of water, they were convinced that these little tiny aluminum folio boats, they could, if we needed it to, and if the MTA needed it to, they could ferry us all to New Jersey later on today. And these aluminum foil boats, they would have put George Washington on it so he could have crossed the Delaware and help us in the Revolutionary War. To these kids, they had the eager expectation that this boat was going to survive. Now, the dangers of what could happen to an aluminum foil boat at the hands of an eight-year-old are not worth comparing to the sufferings that you face here on earth. But neither are your present sufferings comparable to what's in store for you in Christ Jesus. What I want you to do is write down your sufferings. And once you're done with that, take that piece of paper, ball it up, throw it behind you, ball up your fist, and charge towards Jesus. 
because you know how secure and firm your future glory is. Take your sufferings and leave them behind. They aren't worth comparing to what's to come. Amen. Amen.